0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Good afternoon, fellow constitutionalists, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Dan Clummish Show, a Christian political talk show. I'm your host, Dan Clummish, your constitutional warrior, fighting for your right just to be an American. It is October 23rd, the year of our Lord 2017. Remember, we're hyphen free, PC free zone. God is still in control, and He does love you. And I'm broadcasting live from the Hemlock Studios in the beautiful central Susquehanna Valley in the Great Keystone State. Uh, folks, <laughs> i finally been trolled on YouTube. <laughs> I was... I was... Uh, and we talked about this last week. I was watching some of these um, uh, very... Uh, anti-freedom feminists out there on YouTube. I was trying to figure out what they're talking about with their, their modern feminism or what they call second and third wave, mostly third wave feminism. Because people... People define those terms differently, and I'd rather go with the people that actually have proven what they said is right, uh, over the ones who just uh, want you to take their word for what's right. And uh, there's a first wave feminism which happened you know, over 100 years ago. Uh, there's a second wave feminism, as some of them describe it back, uh, you know, in the 50s and 60s. You know, uh, wanting, and, and the thing is. Let me back up a second. Rights are asexual. They're, they're neither male nor female. Freedom of speech, doesn't matter what sex you are, female, male or female, you got a right to speak. Um, but they wanted their they wanted their opportunities to be equal in work, in rights, and all these other things. I understand that, I, I, and I agree with that. But then you come up into the modern-day third-wave feminism, and they want to stand the whole society on its head because of suppositions. Uh, and uh, so I was listening to this video, and, and as I as I have habit to do, if I want to comment, as I'm going through the video, I'll make comments on points that are made in the video. And some folks didn't understand that. They said, well, if you're going to comment in the video, wait till it's done and just make one big comment. And I said, I don't comment that way. As I hear points come up, I'll make a comment about that point in the video. And someone accused me of spamming. I'm like, how can I be spamming if I'm actually commenting on what's being said in the video? Just the way I choose to comment is what you have a disagreement with. And just because you call it spamming doesn't necessarily mean it's spamming. And it's not. Uh, And then I was accused of coming over here and I was just a right-wing troller. You know, I was a white male patriarch because they'd go see my picture and everything on my Facebook and Twitter. And and, uh, I, I don't hide the fact that I'm white. Uh, but you know, they started up with all these accusations and then started saying I was trolling. Well, trolling is actually going to leave, in my opinion, and and you take it for what it's worth, is, is leaving a bunch of comments on a site that are ancillary at best, that have very little to do with the content. And basically it was the show on, um, uh, about freedom and liberty, and what they actually were, and the, this feminist, uh, which again, and and you can do what you want to on the internet, I, I do not hide on the internet, and that doesn't make me any better than anybody else, There, I'm just, I'm one of those people that I'm straight up, and straight, you know, I'm a straight shooter, as it were, and I'm not gonna hide who I am on the internet, and be able to go around, and, and putting smackdowns on folks, and, and people not knowing who I am, and this is this happens a lot, especially with these very anti-freedom movements out there. They don't want you to know who they are. And, and so they hide behind these monikers. Antifa hides behind you know, masks and hoodies, so you can't recognize them. And, and, and just the hiding and hiding and hiding. Uh, and they can hide all they want, but they're still found out in the end, is all I'm concerned about. But anyway, uh, this uh, feminist... Left about 12 messages on that particular video. And like I said, they had very little to do with what I was talking about in the video. But she just basically, what she was doing, she wanted to give me a taste uh, of my own medicine, as it were. Then, how dare I come in and comment and leave so many comments on her website? And, but my comments were in answering to points that she put out in an interview on the video. So, Again, it's it's kind of funny how anti-freedom folks view things, and how freedom folks view the same thing totally opposite. I was watching an interview of Milo Yiannopoulos. He's I guess he's on some type of book tour. I guess promoting his latest book, and he was on Aussie Television. I was watching this video clip of it, and this feminist kept talking about well, what you're doing is is hate speech. What you're doing is hateful, and I was screaming to the TV. Hate is a very subjective term. You know, if you take it as hate, that's on you. If it was not intended to be, and most of the time, I'm not saying Milo Yiannopoulos does not tweak noses. We all do it from time to time. But the problem is, if, if and it is, hate is very subjective, especially when you talk about hate speech is very subjective, because... Just like the old saying, one man's candy is another man's poison. One man's junk is one man's treasure. It's all how you look at it. Now, I'm, I'm convinced that the folks in the anti-freedom side of things are very hostile to freedom. So they'll say anything they can to put a negative light, put a negative light on anything that they disagree with, especially when it comes to speech. Now, today, um, I titled the show, When Freedom Isn't Allowed. Last week we ended up talking about, on the show, and again I want to thank uh, F. H. Professor F.H. Buckley from George Mason uh, Law School for coming on and, and interviewing with me on Friday. We had a very good interview, although I was having issues with Skype, and a real quick note here, it, it wasn't me, it was Skype. Because I went through and I did some other testing, and no matter if I was using my laptop or any other computer up here with nothing else running, I was still getting... Uh, voice quality issues with Skype. It was was ridiculous. So I I shot off a message to them. Hopefully they get back to me today and I'll find out a little bit about what's going on there. So I had a real good interview with that, but then I finished up the show talking about these college campuses, talking about how these college campuses are just killing us on, on free speech. And freedom isn't allowed. When freedom isn't allowed is when people shut down your right to say what you want to say, no matter how how wrong other people think it is, and this I have this um, I have a real quick video I think do I have a video? No, I don't have a video of it. And uh, oh, that's right, because of the swear words, I'm not going to put it up. I'm I'm still doing some research on how to blank out uh, when I when I do a video how to blank out those. So I'm still working on <laughs> on that. I guess I could go in and, and uh, open up in, in a um, editing in my editor and just remove them, remove the words, and just put a beep in there. I guess that's probably how they do it. Uh, So I thought maybe there might be an easier way, but with my luck, there isn't. Anyway, I I can't show you the videos, but there's out in um, uh, Santa Cruz, UC Santa Cruz, California, um, there was a conservative Republicans group that was meeting in the basement of a library away from, out of sight from everybody. Uh, The student activists got word of it. And they stormed that, they pretty much stormed that room and demanded that this stop because of their, as arbitrary, everything they're talking about is arbitrary, you know, that they're Nazis, they're fascists, this is hate speech. It's it's uh, dangerous to the people around here to listen to this. All those are subjective, arbitrary terms. And again, I want to explain this real quick here, and I do mean to use this term, these child adults who have no experience in life whatsoever, think that they have the right. They think that they have the right to come in and shut down somebody else's speech because they don't agree with it, because it hurts their little feelings. And the problem is, this is the biggest problem, folks. When you shut down other people's freedoms, when you don't allow their freedoms to be exercised, And if that goes too far, guess who's the next ones that are going to get their freedoms not allowed? That aren't going to be allowed to exercise their freedoms? You're right if you guess these student activists or these folks in the anti-freedom side of things that that look at everything and, and describe them in very subjective terms. It's crazy, folks. It's crazy what's going on out there. And these... I said the, these uh, conser- these uh, conservative Republicans that were meeting they they left. Now I'm told I was doing some research here that uh, this head agitator and a couple other students uh, because the police got involved in it they were the ones that arrested because they were the ones causing the trouble they were the ones raising their voices and they're the ones that got arrested. Now, not that I wish anybody ever gets hurt. But it would deserve these student activists right if they had felony charges filed against them and were found guilty of these felony charges. They don't realize how wrecking that is to their future. Especially, now, I can't say that 100% because I I, um, um, forget about President Obama's um, The Weather Underground group, Bill Ayers, and, and those guys were, were definitely domestic terrorists and yet they went on to be professors and stuff so you know I can't say that with 100% certainty but I tell you what it doesn't look good on your job application especially if you're getting a job that you need a criminal background check to be done in Uh, it does not look good that you have a felony conviction on your record And, and and honestly I think this is what's gonna this is what has to happen I honestly I believe when you shut down violently shut down somebody else's uh, freedom of speech, not that it's a hate crime, because you cannot, to me, you can't quantify what uh, what's in somebody's mind at the time that they did something, even if they were saying something. Because, again, hate is a very subjective, even even the, the idea of hate is very subjective, okay? Um, should be a felony offense. Maybe it would stop some of these brats out there, these child adults, from doing it. Probably not, but it might keep some of the more reasonable ones as it were from doing things uh stupidly and wrong so it amazes me how many how many americans are allowing other americans freedoms to be disallowed Uh, i was told i was told and i asked for clarification i don't know if they're going to give it there was a couple other comments left uh, on this video that i was critiquing and saying that i should be deplatformed everywhere oh that's the answer you don't agree with what I'm saying, you don't agree with what I'm doing, so let's just take away as platform, you know, my ability uh, to practice freedom of speech. Let's just take that away from me because you don't agree with what I'm saying. Because even though what I'm saying, I don't say it in a hateful manner, and I, I never mean it to be hate, I mean it to be thought-provoking. And literally, like this gentleman in that video I shared last uh, last Friday, uh, the gentleman there, one of the professors at Brown University if someone has uh, angst against what I'm saying, they can take me to the intellectual woodshed if they want to, if they dare to. But to deplatform me or to deplatform anybody because you don't want to hear that speech. And again, there are, in some of the videos I shared Friday, there are arbitrary judgments being made because what you think is racist may not be. And the the problem is, the folks on the anti-left never feel the need to have to qualify their statements. If they say, well, that's racist speech, they they never qualify that. In their mind, their judgment is final, that that's racist and it cannot be debated. Their judgment is final, that Donald Trump is a racist because racists supported him. Donald Trump didn't go out looking for that support, just like Ronald Reagan did not go out looking for the gay community support in the form of the log cabin Republicans. And that is not what guilt by association means. Guilt by association is what Dr. Christy Winters does when she uh, supports other third-wave feminists and their intersectionality or their intersectional feminism. And yet... That's not. I was told by some of her followers that's that's not guilt by association. What are you talking about? That's the absolute. That is the exact definition of what guilt by association is. I may not be a part of, and I'm not. I'm not, and not that I would never be. But I'm not a. I used to be. I I I think for a couple years a member of the NRA, but I let that lapse because of money issues and stuff like that. And just because. I was in the past, now people guilt by association again. Now, I support the NRA. I support anybody that wants to join the NRA. You know, intellectually, I support that. Okay. Am I I guilty because of their actions? No, but if I support them, and this is, and I don't think this is guilt or innocence things. If I support the NRA, if I come out and say I support the NRA, then I tacitly support their actions, and therefore I am guilty by association. Okay? That is guilt by association, because I initiated the association. I'm the one that stepped forward. Now, the NRA can advertise me all they want and try to get me to come over, but it's fine, the final decision's up to me. Now, once I take that step, yes, I am guilty by association. I associated myself freely and willingly with the NRA. And, but... It doesn't work the other way around. If I do something wrong, because the NRA doesn't tacitly support me as far as, not tacitly, they don't, they don't come out and say, look, I support everything that Dan Clements does. It's not how they work. And if I do something bad, nasty, and against the law, they can distance me themselves from me, and that's okay. Because, again, they're not guilty by my association with them. I chose to be with them. They didn't choose to be with me. You see, I'm saying now, some people might say that's splitting hairs, but I don't look at it that way, and I don't see it that way, but the anti-freedom folks out there want to do that. Uh, there was this guy, I don't know if we'll get to it, on MSNBC, uh, he called the GOP the Repub- Republic Clan Party, the Republic Klan Party, okay, and... Talk about rewriting history. And, again, he's going back on this white supremacy thing that these white supremacists support Donald Trump. Therefore, Donald Trump's a white supremacist. Well, there's a lot of LGBT people that supported Donald Trump, too. Does that make him gay or trans or lesbian or anything like that? Just be, Again, they're very selective and they cherry-pick what they want to accuse people of. So, again, it's very... It's very disturbing to me how these people think that they're being intellectually honest when they come out and do this. It's guilt by association or, you know, because they think that they're in the right and they pronounce something to be something. It's, you know, it's almost like the old uh, uh, Ten Commandments movie with Charlton Heston and Neil Brenner as Pharaoh. So let it be written, so let it be done. You know, that's the attitude. We say it, it's so. Without any debate. Without any basic debate saying, wait a minute, we need to discuss this, whether what they're saying is actually racist or not. That's what it should be. It should, it should rise up to an intellectual level where we're, where we're able to have civil public discourse. And I imagine the conservative Republicans on campus are more than happy to sit down with these folks and have a, a frank, open discussion about if what they're doing is racist or what they're saying is racist or not. But that'll never happen with this attitude and this atmosphere that's happening today on college campuses because they just will will not allow freedom to be practiced. They are literally stomping on fellow citizens' freedoms to put forth their ideology which cannot be supported. Which cannot be supported. Again, I don't I know I'm not gonna get I'm probably not gonna get to it again today, but I, I got into a discussion with indivisible guide groups over the weekend, about taxation. Again, they're bringing out these these uh, felonious, I mean, just false articles. Just fake news articles about the, the Donald Trump's tax plan. That's only the corporations are going to get the money, and they, they're just going to pay it out in these golden parachutes. And the reason why they believe this is because guys like Robert B. Rice, former labor secretary, who is not an economist, came out and told them that's what it was and when you read through some of the comments it's almost like they just lifted his words out of his out of his blogs or out of his videos and used them and i asked this one i asked this one person that was really dogmatic about it and i said oh so if you're only making fifty thousand dollars a year and under president trump's tax plan the first if you're married let's say just you and your husband no kids if you're married and and you and your husband let's say make fifty 000, sixty thousand dollars a year together the first twenty-six thousand dollars of your twenty-four to twenty-six, somewhere in there. Uh, let's let's put it at twenty-four, just to be fair. Twenty, your first twenty-four thousand dollars you make is non-taxed. You're telling me that's not putting money back in your pocket just from the tax break alone. Plus, you are be lo- in a lower tax bracket to begin with. That's not putting money back in your pocket. Crickets. Not a word was said in response to that. And I even repeated it a couple of times. I said, come on, folks, let's use some, let's be intellectually honest here. Nothing. They wouldn't say, they just kept hammering at that corporate idea. They kept hammering at this, uh, they, uh, the, the old, <laughs> this came up during Ronald Reagan's uh, time in office, folks. The, the voodoo economics of, of Reaganomics. There wasn't nothing voodoo about it. And history is on the side of the tax cuts. There's actual raw numbers out there that's searchable, knowable, understandable that go against everything the indivisible guide says about taxes. Again, they won't allow Americans to practice their freedoms. Freedom's not allowed in, in their minds. They got th- th- because these tax cuts, they're not being paid for, and that's the other. That's the other. That's about the stupidest thing in the world. They're not being paid for. Well, I tell you how we can pay for some of them tax cuts. Well, we cut the budget Oh we can't cut the budget well let's cut the military I, I I'm I'm not against that. I think we need to go through the military and cut the fat out. there's a lot of fat that can probably be cut out of there. no doubt in my mind but if we're going to cut the military which is a constitutional department why don't we look into welfare? Why don't we look into these uh, other unconstitutional bureaucracies that take billions upon billions of dollars out of taxpayers' dollars that are not constitutional? Why don't we go that route? Again, when I bring up the Constitution with this, they're either totally silent or they bring up the erroneous argument about the general welfare when we talk about welfare. And when I point them back to what the Founding Fathers thought of general welfare, again, I get crickets. I get no response. I get no response from these folks. And that's telling in and of itself. But my point in saying all this, when freedom isn't allowed, a, a lot of things happen in our lives that actually curtail our freedoms. Like with these college students that want to discuss these topics, oh, we got to shut them down. It's not that they're only shutting down their freedom of speech, they're shutting down their freedom to know. To actually, to actually find out if what they're doing is wrong. Instead of just somebody arbitrarily standing up there as judge, jury, and executioner saying, we can't talk about these things. Well, I, I, I'm sorry. If you pronounce that we can't talk about these things, I think these are the very things we need to be talking about. And if that still makes you mad, tough. Life's tough, son. <laughs> Get over it. You know, life's not easy for anybody out here. Even the even the supposed privileged folks, it's not easy. They have their own struggles that you don't have and I don't have and some, sometimes I'm glad I don't have them. But when you arbitrarily come in and shut down freedom of speech, you're shutting down, you're not allowing somebody to exercise their freedoms. And one of the freedoms is the, the right to know. You know, and, and what I'm saying is that Am I wrong in that? Is is there something wrong with me thinking this way? And sit down and have a civil public discourse. You know, let let the ideas get out there and air themselves out in the marketplace of ideas. And only through the discussion will we actually know. It was only through the discussion between Dave and Al that I actually found out the truth about the Bible. I was going along with an erroneous idea about what the Bible said and how I was supposed to follow God and what I was supposed to do. And it was only through this civil public discourse that we had with each other that I come to find out the truth. I did not. I did not call down a crusade on their heads, saying, "You infidels were going. <laughs> How dare you blaspheme the Catholic Church?" And I'm coming at you. I didn't say that. I wanted to know if what they had to say was had any merit to it. That's all I'm saying. We just we have to allow freedom. We have to allow people to practice freedom and when freedom isn't allowed that diminishes everybody. That diminishes everybody, folks. All right. Today's day, or today's show is being brought to you by Sears Part Direct. Now, if you're the handyman of the house, I, I don't care which gender you are, handyman, handy woman, handy person of the house, doesn't matter to me. If you're the one that fixes things around the house. And you need parts, but you don't have time to go out to get them or track them down or make phone calls during the week. I got the perfect solution for you. Go over to danclemishhow.com and click on the Sears Parts Direct widget. It'll take you over to their site, and they have parts over there for lawn equipment, outdoor power equipment, and appliances, and some other things over there that you can buy to repair your stuff. And that's the way if you go over there early in the week, you might have the stuff by the weekend. To work on that honey-do list or that my to do list to to get that whittled down, and if you go over to danclimentshow dot com right now, and you click on the widget, you'll get ten percent off your part your parts orders if you put in the offer code that's just there on the widget. Okay. If you notice, sometimes my uh, my voice may be coming in and out. I've been messing around with my compressor, on my on my. Uh, mixer and i'm going to continue to do that not so much during the show but i'm going to try to get this thing set right um, because it said it might help me on my skype just as a, a note for those folks out there that might be having the same issues i am with their skype all right today's daily bible reading comes from the uh, epistle of james chapter 1 verses 5 through 10 if anyone lacks wisdom let him ask a god who will give to all liberally without reproach and it will be given to him but let him ask in faith With no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. And we were talking in Bible study on Sunday about how uh, men sometimes get their just rewards because they're looking at, at uh, for praise from men, and that's their actual reward that they're getting, no matter what, if it's prayer or giving, anything like that. So we were talking about that. We had a good Bible study on Sunday morning this week. This quote mail comes from Charles H. Spurgeon. Nobody ever outgrows Scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years, and and. Boy, ain't that the truth. The more I think I know, the more I know, that uh, the more truths I actually find out that I didn't know before when it comes to the Bible. Grand, grand book there. Um, today's short Bible lesson, and let me just, uh, is from uh, Kevin Cowley over at GEWalkins.net, and it's a sermon on perseverance. And it's, uh, it's amazing to me how... Um, Sometimes we don't want to persevere, and, but we always, always have to, have to never, never, never give up. We always have to persevere. We absolutely do. Folks, I'm going to start this video again uh, about uh, our, our universities um, killing free speech. And I just want to go through about the first half of this video, and then we'll come back into the show.
0: Can we
1: just have a conversation? But... No, the, the problem that they're having is heterosexual white males have always dominated the space. And so one in which heterosexual oh, men are not. Well, homosexual, you know, white males are at the top of the hierarchy. You know, now.
0: This is Brown University, the elite Ivy League college famed for its radical student activism and wide open curriculum that, yes, does technically allow you to major in drum circle studies. It's also my beloved alma mater. I entered Brown about a decade and a half ago, perfectly embodying that charming paradox common to newly minted adults. I'd never known less about the world and yet, somehow also never had more confidence in my opinions about it. The endless campus debates burned away. A lot of the stupid stuck to my brain. But now that vital campus dialogue is being snuffed out. Brown has been overrun by this nasty, censoring species of student activism that's overtaking college campuses across the country. You need to get out. Back in the fall of 2013, former New York City Police Chief Ray Kelly was invited to give a lecture about his controversial stop and frisk policies. Protesters picketed outside, filled the lecture hall, and then they did this. Thank you, uh Trump not a job. They, they, you. You? they shouted down administrators of this university that we allow for free speech They shouted down students. They to listen to Racism is not for debate. And then they got their way. We're gonna ask that everyone please leave the auditorium. They didn't respond to our demand to cancel the lecture, so we canceled it for them. This is not the Brown that I know. This is students weaponizing victimhood to stifle debate. And things have gotten steadily worse since then. So I went back to campus to find out why. <laughs> first and foremost be a place in which reason determines outcomes not the ability to throw tantrums or fits the people who perpetrated this act of tyranny were remembered in heroic terms at this university and held up as an example of student activism as a positive thing that's an error it's a profound error we all collectively you know um, need to you know, just own. Uh, Sometimes things don't go the way we plan. And, And certainly in the wake of that, there was a lot of learning that happened. I got called a white supremacist when I tried to go inside. administrators did even worse than capitulate a year later. The writer Wendy McElroy was invited to be on the con side in a debate about whether America has a rape culture. Student critics framed McElroy's opinions as a kind of mind violence. They set up one of those infamous safe spaces running videos of puppies to protect themselves from her really hurtful beliefs the political majority on this campus believe that each that disagrees with the conclusions of the left is not in and of itself an act of violence, it becomes in this moral calculus, as warped as it may seem to outsiders, rational to shut down something like the Ray Kelly lecture. University president Christina Paxton preemptively denounced McElroy in a school-wide email and set up a competing lecture. There has been a lot of pain, and we wanted to create the kind of respectful, thoughtful uh, climate that invites those conversations without harming individuals. Whatever thin caricature student critics had constructed of McElroy was promptly shattered by the actual content of her speech. When I was 16, I was raped, and brutally so. I had a hemorrhage in my right eye that left me blind. I know the pain and the importance of violence against women because I see half of the world because of it. North America is not a rape culture, and it is an insult to women who live in one that women here, with so much freedom and so much opportunity, are trying to share the same status with them. Shortly thereafter, In a closed-door faculty meeting, a small group of professors introduced a resolution that simply reaffirmed a section in Brown's own founding charter on the value of the free exchange of ideas. That resolution did not pass. Leading the charge against it, a star professor named Trisha Rose, who said that even considering the resolution again would extend the pain. It's not an argument. It's a move of power, not a move of reason. The main thing they want is a conformity. Just fall into line. Where some things cannot be said, some ideas cannot be spoken. Here's an illuminating nugget about Trisha Rose. She has a lecture in which she literally has students pledge their loyalty to her politics. I am not personally responsible for racism. In fact, any other vast form of structural oppression. Or, in fact, any other vast form of structural oppression. Even though I very likely benefit personally from some aspect of it. Many students in last year's freshman class received an orientation pamphlet that denounced data and statistics as structures of oppression and mapped the unsafe spaces on campus, among them, this historic lecture hall because it's portraits of white former university presidents constitute microaggressions. And guess who the administration picked to give the opening convocation address? I'm not sure I went to the equivalent of this when I was a first year at Yale, but it's different there. Professor Rose showed them that a string of fashionable jargon is indeed an acceptable substitute for an argument. We have used in the post-civil rights era the ideology of the illusion of colorblindness, as the rhetorical vehicle for the maintenance and development of a system like the prison industrial complex. Now, the excesses of Brown's activists obscure some legitimate grievances. Most importantly, of course there's such a thing as privilege. I'm its distilled essence. I'm the product of a plush Los Angeles private school. I've never suffered racist slights. I didn't have to take on a single cent in student loans. The Ivy League was originally built by and for people like me, and activists are right to demand that it evolve to better accommodate students that don't share my advantages. Last fall, Brown unveiled a multi-million dollar plan that, in part, did just that. And here's how student activists thanked them. They stormed the president's office and shouted down the provost. I to make a suggestion, um, no, I'm no. sorry. No. No no. I'm kind of no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I just want to, can we just have a conversation? Yeah, but no. But the problem, no, no, the problem no, no. that
1: they're having is heterosexual white males have always dominated the space. And so one oh, in which heterosexual oh, that, and I would, uh, Well, homosexual, yeah. it, it don't, white males are at the top of the hierarchy. <laughs> this is
0: not a grand battle against institutionalized injustice. This is an addiction to indignation. We also have obligations like being in class we can't focus on those That same semester, Brown's student newspaper published a pair of columns which essentially argued that European colonialism generated some economic benefits for Native Americans. These columns made easy Tinder for another explosion of student outrage. We beg this university to hold the BDH accountable. We should not have to be in pain for you to do something. The paper's editors buckled, retracting one of the columns and denouncing both as racist essentially is a climate of censorship. What you say has to conform to our sort of worldview, and if it doesn't, then
1: you're a racist. All right, folks, that's, that's sort of the point I wanted to get to in that video where they're talking about, you know, that, that one person on the microphone, they said, you know, you know you're, what about our pain? Uh, honestly, that again is a very subjective thing. You know, they're not old. Honestly, I don't think they're old enough to have gone through. I'm not saying every one of them. But the vast majority of these college students have have not gone through the oppression they claim that they're going through or that society is fostering upon them. A lot of the oppression they get is self-imposed. I might get in trouble for saying that, but that's exactly what's happening here. It's self-imposed oppression. Now, um, let me go over to... Uh, this article here. This is from the Campus Reform, Student Storm Library, Shutdown College Republican Meeting. And they, they go through, they have a video on that page. You can go in there. Um, I thought it was really good in this one, uh, this there's a tweet there, I, as a Democrat, I'm embarrassed that some people on the left act this way. Uh, they give us a terrible name. And that's right. And, and it's not, again, I can't go to this left-right paradigm anymore because later on the week I'm going to be talking about um, the, the collectivism on the right by Jeffrey Tucker over at FEE.org. He wrote a book about this. And I was reading the article, and the left-right paradigm just falls down on a lot of this stuff because, yes, are there collectivists over on the on the right? You know, yes. Or Republican? yes. But that doesn't make oppression a right or a left-wing ideology, folks. That's where the whole argument breaks down. It's either freedom or anti-freedom. That's a better description for that. Now, there's another one here uh, from Reason.com, which actually, in Reason.com, they actually named some names, which I I think is good. We need to name some of these students, uh, and not... Not that we give out their home addresses or anything like that, but if they're going to be public like this, and they're adults, not children anymore, of course they act like children, uh, like brat, like little two-year-old brats, um, and even that's a uh, that's uh, disparaging the two-year-olds out there, folks. <laughs> so students crash college Republicans meeting at UC Santa Cruz to, to demand a shutdown to this. Um, the students crashed a CR meeting in the basement of a campus library earlier this week. The CR CRs attempted to have a dialogue with the protesters, but the protesters maintained that dialogue is violence. Civil public discourse, airing out your ideas in the marketplace of ideas, is now considered violence because they deem, they choose to deem what you say as hateful and violent. Oh my goodness. <laughs> These again these adult these ch- child adults here that are on these college, college campus do not know what real violence is. For the most part I'm not saying I'm not saying some of them didn't grow up in tough neighborhoods and experience violence. I'm not saying that at all. but these ones the, the folks here, I, I do not believe just because of their what they're saying and how they're saying it, you know that dialogue is violence. They do not know what true violence is. They do not know what it means when you get into a fight and you don't know if the other guy's trying to kill you or not. Even in a fisticuff. You don't know what the other guy's intentions are. You don't know true violence. And dialogue is never, ever violence. If you give the words the power to harm you, mentally, whatever, intellectually, whatever, that's on you. That is on you. You do not have a right because you think that dialogue is violence to suppress my freedoms. It doesn't work that way. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, not that, I, not that I'm going to be the one doing it, but you go around and you suppress enough people's freedoms, I don't care what they are, eventually they're going to fight back. Right now you're poking the stick on a on a sleeping giant here in America. But eventually it's going to come to a boiling point and they and and people are going to start fighting back. And I'm not saying they're going to start fighting back physically. I think they're going to come out of the woodwork and they're going to show they're going to show these child adults what intellectual intimidation really is. You know, and and it's going to be truthful intimidation. How they're going to lay bare their ideology as a, a false dichotomy or dichotomy. You know, it's, it's a false narrative. And it's it just it amazes me uh, that not more adults have spoken out on this. But there's going to come a point. There's a, there's always a tipping point in all these struggles where enough Americans are going to get sick of seeing others other Americans' freedoms not being allowed to be practiced, and Katie barred the door. These child adults are going to be taken to the intellectual woodshed, as that professor said. That's exactly what's going to happen. Um, he goes on to say after it says dialogue is violence and that the CR's mere presence in the library was an explicit threat against marginalized students and an act of violence. The protesters even asked library staff to evict the CRs from the building, according to Campus Reform. About two hour, After two hours, the police involved themselves, and three of the protesters were arrested. The CRs have also asked UC Santa Cruz student government to sanction the protesters, since two of them were in fact members of the student government. Campus Reform obtained some video footage of the incident in the clip below. CRs and protesters are healy arguing with one another, there's nothing wrong with that, of course. They appear to be having the exact kind of dialogue the CRs claim they wanted, and the protesters' claim was violence. But my favorite part of the exchange happens towards the end when, the, when one of the students, presumably a CR, accuses the protesters of selection bias. And, folks, he, that CR student is right to do so because these guys were down in a basement in the library in a room with doors and they had to be sought out by the student activists that is the violence the violence is being perpetrated by the student activists that are going and seeking these folks out claiming an imperial judgment upon what they are doing saying it is violence and you know <laughs> It comes down to the old saying, my dad, you know, and, and and most of the discipline I got, if not all of it, but not not quite all of it, because I did take some discipline from my brothers. Uh, most of the discipline I got from my dad was, was deserved. And not that he ever did this, but if I ever got whiny, and I did it every now and then, and started crying and complaining about something, the phrase that would come out of my dad's mouth, and I think most boys in America have heard this, at least guys that are my age, that if you don't start stop crying and whining, I'm going to give you something to cry and whine about. And you pretty quickly shut your your pie hole and thought about what you were doing, because if Dad had to say that, what you were doing was stupid. You were being dumb and stupid. <laughs> and so you see, see what I'm saying, folks. These students literally had to seek out these um, conservative Republicans. They weren't out in the public square. They weren't out on the lawn discussing us wherever we could see it. They were, and I'm not saying they were hiding. Just they got this was an empty space. They went into it. They thought they were okay in there, and lo and behold, you have these child adults coming down there and uh, putting their pronouncements, imperial pronouncements, folks, that what you're saying is violence, which it wasn't. What they were doing was actually the violent part of it because they actually came in trying to stop somebody from from practicing their freedoms disallowing their freedoms um the article goes on to say if this was any other group if this was a communist group or socialist group if this was a democratic group if this was a centrist group nobody would uh, be here saying anything said the student but because the title says republicans and because that's connected to trump because communists aren't racist a a a protester injected i can't read the word there for you uh, communists have killed and, and imprisoned or impoverished millions, but it's arguably true that communists committed these murders, irrespective of the race and ethnic origins of their victims. That's what really matters, it seems, and that's that's exactly right. Socialism and communism and fascism don't care about your skin color; it doesn't. All it cares is about power and control, and and, and that's exactly what these student protesters demonstrated that they're okay with socialism and communism. They're okay with not allowing people to exercise their freedom of assembly and their freedom of speech. They're okay with that. And again, like I said, usually when that happens, <laughs> uh, the hand that you just bit, the one that's feeding you, will come back and slap the dog snot at you. Uh, it's, it's it's history, folks. It's happened all throughout history. <laughs> I have this other article that I thought I'd share with you along these same lines from uh, the uh, independent.org blog by Randall Holcomb. You're stupid, so we're going to take away your freedom. Again, when freedom isn't allowed. This was posted back in June 6th of 2016, but it's, it's I, I think it's it, it directly addresses what's happening today not only on college campuses, but all over the nation, when it comes, to, especially when it comes to freedom of speech. In a country based on the principle of liberty, should we really contemplate depriving people of freedom because they sometimes don't make choices expert thinks are the best for them? And I'm going to stop the reading here. I'm an American, and I think I have the freedom to make the dumbest choices in the world that hurt me and the, and, and the folks that depend on me. I think I have that freedom. Matter of fact, I think I have that God-given right to do dumb and stupid. But because I have that right to do dumb and stupid, I also have to face the consequences of those dumb and stupid decisions. You see what I'm saying? Nobody has a right. I don't care how elitist or how intelligent you are you think you are or how intelligent you think your group is. Nobody has a right to take that freedom of choice away from me. You see what I'm saying? But I read on here, my title really under, under or understates the liberty depriving philosophy of the nanny state. More accurately, it is some people make what we think are bad choices, uh, so we are going to deprive everyone of liberty. I'm thinking about after reading Harvard professor John Y. Campbell's article in May 2016 issue of American Eco- Economic Review titled, Restoring Rational Choice, the Challenge of Rational Consumer Regulation. Campbell reviews several bad uh, financial decisions consumers tend to make, uh, such as not refinancing their mortgages when it is financially beneficial to do so, and ultimately concludes, the complexity of the 21st century financial arrangements poses a daunting challenge to households managing their financial affairs. So... Household financial mistakes create a new rationale for intervention in the economy. People make financial decisions that Professor Campbell think are mistakes, so he wants government to intervene. Now, let me make this point. We we converted this loan. We went back and looked at it. It was 2003, uh, late 2003 in the fall. We converted a lease purchase on the house we're living in over to a mortgage, a fixed-rate mortgage. We have a 6%. That's, I, I'm That's not ashamed to say that. I know fixed rates have come down over the years, but because of other financial things that happened to us over the years, uh, we weren't able to refinance because of our credit scores or whatever. And we're, I thank God that we still at least have a fixed rate and we have a house that we can live in. And isn't that choice, whether I make that choice to refinance or not, isn't that my decision? and just because i don't want to refinance is that necessarily a mistake? yes i could save money. yeah, i could i could save uh, i think if i went down 4%, i could i could probably save 150 or 200 a month probably not even that. i have to go look at the the figures again. it's been a while since i did that. but because of some other considerations i can't refinance. so is it stupid because i can't refinance or refuse to refinance so is, is the government's going to intervene on my behalf? you know, uh, I've been told that I was foolish for taking a fixed-rate mortgage. I should have went for one of those subprime mortgages when I bought the loan. Huh. Glad I didn't listen to them folks. I'm really glad I didn't listen to them folks. You don't know what the future's going to hold. You really don't. You don't know if, if something's going to happen to your family that uh, financially almost bankrupts you. And, and you know, you got to work your your behind off to work yourself back up to a, to a reasonable level. And, you know, you, your, your credit score takes a hit. You know, I just thank God i got a roof over my head and clothes on my back and, you know, my family's protected and we got food on the table. Whose business is it that I pay a higher interest rate? You know, to me, that's that's elitism at its best. I go on to read, Professor Campbell has lots of company here. People argue that government should restrict consumers' choices of what drugs to take, both recreation and pharmaceutical, force them to pay for safety equipment on their cars that, as it turns out, can... Uh, explode and kill them, force them to participate, and we're talking about airbags there, folks, force them to participate in the government retirement program and even limit their ability to buy uh, sugary carbonated beverages. In all these cases, the argument is that left to their own devices, people make bad choices, so the government should intervene to force them to act more, to use Campbell's term, rationally. Freedom has no meaning if people are only free to make the choices government experts think are rational. And again, rational, that, that rational choices is a very subjective term. It cannot be quantified. It cannot, it's, there's no way you can make it into an objective term because what's rational for somebody may not seem rational to somebody else. Oh, I hate having to explain the difference between subjective and objective, but people, even these elitists, get this stuff confused. Okay, i read on. The arrogance of this view of appropriate role of government is striking. Progressives think... Uh, from people like Professor Campbell and Michael Bloomberg, concludes that they can make better decisions uh, for you than than you can make for yourself. Therefore, they will force you to do what they think is best. But ultimately, it won't be Campbell or Bloomberg who will make those decisions for you. It will be a group of politicians who are more looking out for their own political futures than your welfare. Does government really make better choices for people than they can themselves? I would say a resounding No. Campbell's conclusion that household financial mistakes create a new rationale for government intervention in the economy. Overlooks longstanding government interventions in the household financial affairs. And folks, that is where the 2008 housing bubble burst came from, is because the government and regulations and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and the regulators on Wall Street not not regulating those debt instruments and mortgage debt instruments, it was... It was government oversight. Oh, we know better than you. Yeah, you really did. You almost ruined the world's economy. That's how much better you know than we do. Oh, the all one only has to look at the Social Security program established because people make the mistake of not saving enough for their retirements. That system continually gives taxpayers a lower rate of return on their payroll taxes than they could if they invest in the stock market. In theory. People make mistakes and practice government intervention into household financial affairs leaves many of them worse off, and that's without noting the projections that the system soon will be broke. The nanny state premise that people should be deprived of their freedoms because they might make bad choices attacks the political philosophy on which this nation was founded. If Campbell wants to spread the word that people are making what he views as financial mistakes, I'm all in favor of that. But it, strikes as, but it strikes at the idea of the American founders suggests suggest that people's financial mistakes offer a new rationale for government intervention in, in the economy. And, folks, this can go over into any aspect of what we've been talking about here, of oh, these student activists and stuff. They think they know better than anybody else, so they're going to make their pronouncements without any debate Without trying not to be taken to the intellectual woodshed, which they would if they got into debate with some of these conservative Republicans and some of these uh, folks on the freedom side of things, they would literally be torn to pieces. You know, it, it wouldn't be a woodshed, it'd be a wood chipper that they'd be getting into because their ideas do not hold water. They're not backed by logic, fact, common sense, or truth. They are what they want and how they say things ought to be, not how other people want things to be. I don't want to impose, and I get accused this all the time with my Christianity. I don't want to impose my Christianity on anybody. That's not to say I'm not going to preach the principles and the gospel, the principles of Christianity and the gospel to folks. But you know what? I can't force you to believe, and I can't even force you to listen. If you, All you got to do is say, I don't want to hear it. Okay, you don't want to hear it. That's fine. I'm not going to force you to sit there and listen to it. But neither am I going to pronounce on you that you're you're a, a dumb, stupid idiot for not sitting down and listening to me. That's not my place either. I'm I'm allowing you the freedom of making choices whether you you know whether I think those choices are bad or not. I think someone not listening to the gospel and obeying the gospel is a bad choice. But even God doesn't force people to follow that. You know, God gives people the choice, and he gives people the time to come to acceptance of his. But I get accused all the time of forcing people, forcing my Christianity on on people. And when, in fact, the people that say that are the ones that want to force their ideology on everybody else. I want people to be free, like Adam Smith. I want people to exercise their freedoms as long as they're not aggressing against somebody else and bring their own personal industry the marketplace uh, and 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 expose to competition i think that's the best way to live folks i really really do i see we're coming down in time here uh that we are slowly winding down uh the clock here trying to get back over to my controls here we have got just a little over a minute here Uh, i didn't get to the tax things we'll pick up on this tomorrow we're going to talk about tax uh, the tax reform we're also gonna, cause I'm still working on it. I'm gonna, I'm going over what George Bush said and there's been a whole brouhaha about what George Bush said the, the, uh, um, resp- and <laughs> the response by Donald Trump. And most of the responses I've been hearing are from the lamestream media. So I don't give them a lot of credence or credit. So I'm gonna read this for myself and see what uh, GW said and see if it merits all the attention it's getting today. This has been the Dan Clemens Show. I'm your host, Dan Clemens, your Constitutional Warrior member. If you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. Have a great rest of the day, folks, and God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow at noon. using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.